Welcome to another episode of Hardcore Troubadour, a Steve Earle podcast. This is Brian Wallace, and I am joined by Tyler Short. What's up, Tyler? How are you doing today? The Inclination record is finally out as of a recording of this one. That's what's up. So that's pretty cool. That's that's the the development in my life as the record is finally out. So the even though people are going to hear this in like two months afterwards, <laughs> um, hey. right now I'm stoked on it. <laughs> Dude, as you should be. Um, I mean, what can I say? I am, I'm biased, but uh, I think it's awesome. You know, not to thank not you put too much buddy. on it right I, there. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, you know, for what it's worth, I'm not a big like color nerd or whatever, but like I got the like, orange creamsicle one. It's beautiful. They did a great oh, job. dude, it looks yeah. really pretty. Looks yeah. really, really yeah, good, man. So yeah, me and me and Peter got together and, and opened them all up and like checked them out. And uh, I have a feeling we so he wanted to like make a video of us like unboxing them and talking about them for a second. Yeah. And I think he thought like we were going to post it. And I feel like he probably sent it to us the band and they thought it looked stupid because so, I never saw it that get posted. So but I went over to Peter's house and I got all the records. So that was really all I cared about because I was when um. Like just with my bands, I've tried to like at least like get like a copy of everything. Yeah. And when Pure Noise told us how many different variants they were gonna be pressing of this record, I was like, Well, there's no fucking chance I'm gonna track down one of all of those. And I'm not gonna buy that many of my own records. So never mind. And then we got sent like a few of each copy. So I was like, Okay. That rules. Um I'm gonna have one of those. That so rules. So I've got like an entire shelf in the the life and death brigade room that is like all inclination records now pretty much hey man it's worth it and i mean like yo shout out to pure noise too for like you know shit always comes on time as a customer as a fan mm -hmm. right anytime i've ordered anything comes on time well packaged like they they take good care they do a professional job and so it's no surprise. Um, yeah, but yeah. No, everything everything looked great. I'm I'm pretty psyched on it. Reception seems to be cool. Yeah, I'm very uh, I'm very proud of it. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad other people are seeming to like it too. Dude, my friends love it. And if nothing else, I think I've got a few people who are kind of like so so on Steve, but I've like mentioned to them that we're doing this podcast, and then I think they hadn't put two and two together. That I'm like, yeah, Tyler from LDB that's doing the Steve Earle podcast with me is the singer from Inclination. And they're like, oh shit, I didn't realize <laughs> that. And I'm like, yeah, so you need to listen to this. Um, There'll be a little bit of hardcore talk for those people. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. And if nothing else, then, you know, they're, they're, they're good enough friends that I think they can, you know, always just pretend that they listened and make me feel better. And that's mm -hmm. good enough for me. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not going to give them the like pop quiz and ask them like, what was your favorite part? Um, but yeah, man, I'm, you should be feeling proud of this. This is like an achievement. It's like, it's awesome. It's like a, it's a proper LP. It sounds great. It builds First off one, of, so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty stoked on it. And y'all have, you know, over the course of your releases, I think, defined a sound defined like a lyrical framework and then i'll say this too tyler like since doing this work with you as well um 
like I always liked your lyrics, man, because I mean, I'm a fucking straight edge hardcore kid and we see, I think, a lot of things in the world in a similar way. But I think since talking to you more about Steve's lyrics and some of your inspiration here, I definitely, as I was reading through, when I was listening through the, uh, the record for the first time, um, just got like a newfound appreciation from all the different types of, all, all the different influences that you pull from as you're writing lyrics. So yeah. man, great work. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Yeah. There's a lot of them in there. Um, but yeah, what have, uh, what have you been listening to uh, so, since we talked last? Legit out of new stuff other than the inclination record i'm really loving this high viz record have you heard dude this? it's um, sick i bought it yeah. the other day yeah so blending so shout out to um my buddy nick acosta uh, numerality zine out of chicago good friend of mine he turned me on to this i like you know had no idea that like this was out um and at first listen it just kind of got me like there's a you know there's a there's a post-punk side there's a Britpop side there's all those influences you can mm -hmm. tell um so I love the music but then like lyrically too um I'm thinking there's actually a lot of connections here when you're thinking about like class consciousness and working and just kind of like yeah i really i mean <laughs> yeah. the dudes the dudes in that band like have been in like tons of bands that are right. like very very smart yeah <laughs> so yeah it's not surprising not at all so yeah hi biz from the uk if you have not had a chance to check them out the new lp is called blending and that like no joke of new stuff that and the inclination record are probably the the things i've been listening to the most oh one other thing I don't know if you're into this. Um, Sumerland's um, metal band, which is never you know, heard of it. So it is, um, you know, DFJ, who's been in a million oh, okay. bands, plays drums, and uh, Brendan Radigan, formerly of the Wait, Rival what's Mob, it called again? Sumerland's. S U M E R. I, I, I dude, I follow a lot of the shit that DFJ does, and I've never heard of that one. So that's, yeah. That's... So it's, it's, I guess one of, I would, this is their second LP, but the first one came out in 2016. So it's clearly mm -hmm. like a project that, you know, like is not a full-time one. This came out in September as well. Um, it's called Dream Killers. And they had a different singer on the first LP. The singer on this one is Brendan Radigan, formerly of The Rival Mob, Magic Circle, you know, so many of those bands. Dude, it is a metal record and when i say that i mean like iron maiden judas priest like, uh, okay dude dfj does some weird shit like dude, that man it's you know uh, who else is arthur rizik is in the band you know so uh, okay. formerly of war hungry um damn this is like the dfj band i guess i've never checked out so so fuck, i guess i'll check this shit out i love it but i mean i have an iron maiden tattoo so yeah. that tells you a little bit about my taste, but like that kind of music is not easy to pull off. And it's also not easy to pull it off in a way that doesn't feel like you're just, it's just contrived. They actually mm -hmm. breathe something new into like a very early eighties new wave of British heavy metal sound. And Brendan Radigan, um, you know, I just love that the same dude who sang hardcore for hardcore has these kind of pipes. He hits some crazy notes 
Um, One of the funniest hardcore frontmen of all time. Absolutely. Too. So, and this is just, I knew from Magic Circle and some of his other work that he had quite a bit of range. And what else? The other uh, Battle Ruins, another band. Yes. These dudes Dude, are Battle super, is awesome. super prolific, mm -hmm. right? Um, so this is their newest thing. Or, you know, like I said, they had another record, but this is the first one that Brendan Radigan is on. And yeah, but yeah, so these are, yo, just in the last few weeks, Unaltered Perspective by Inclination, uh, Blending by High Viz and Dream Pillars by Sumerlens. Three very, very different records, different styles of music, but all really good. So it's been a it's been a killer fall for new music so far. And that there's tons of stuff that I'm missing too, but those are probably the three things I've been listening to the most. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about that high viz record. Chris Williams from uh Change and uh yeah uh, Pacific Northwest, he mm -hmm. he turned me on to their last record. And then this one coming out inspired me to buy it and then also look and see if I could get a copy of their first record and death wish was sold out of it. So I ended up ordering one directly from the band in, yeah. in the UK off their band camp. And uh, the cover was a little bent, but mm. the records place fine. So hey. I don't really care. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't care what, I don't, I don't, I don't really care what, uh, what state my records are in as long as they play. Cause I'm never going to sell them. So, right. Um, I'm never I'm never concerned with shit like that, but I'm I'm happy to as a completionist, I'm happy to have a copy of both their records. That's awesome. N not to go too far off on a tangent, but you mentioning that reminds me. So I'm the same way. Um, you know, if the record plays, that's what I care about. I'm not a huge vinyl collector, but if there's a band I love, I want to have their stuff. Mm -hmm. Into and I've also like moved a lot in the last twenty plus years, right? In 2001, I was living in Jackson, Mississippi, um, a town that's been in the news recently for, you know, not having clean water in 2022. And it's a, you know, a majority black town that has been screwed by capitalism and white supremacy in so many ways. Um, but I pre-ordered from EVR what was then the newest Bane LP, Give Blood. Mm -hmm. um, it came, I have the LP still, it is on like an amazing like marble clear splatter um and because i was like a rocking college freshman i took the insert and i put it up on my wall as yeah, a poster as one does yeah. as one does and you know i probably put it up there with like thumbtacks or some shit and like never thought about it again until i was moving uh -huh. or whatever a couple of years ago on axe to grind um Bob Shedd is talking about how cool the insert was for Give Blood and that only like, you know, the, the first pressing or the first couple got this. And I was like, oh, shit, I haven't thought about that. Let me go look and then go look. And of course, in my, you know, record sleeve is just the LP mm -hmm. because God knows what happened to it. So that was the, the poster. <laughs> yeah, that was the first and only time I've been like, fuck, maybe I should have been the kid that just like puts all my toys up on the shelf in the packaging instead of like getting them out and playing with them. Cause I definitely remember where I had that, like next to a bunch of flyers and stuff. And it was like, yeah, why would I be concerned with keeping this in pristine condition? It has a bunch of killer pictures on it. I'm going to put it up on my wall. Um, and it just in one of those moves did not make it back into the record sleeve the or record. ripped God or something. Damn, so I'm like, I don't know. I don't have it. Um, so yeah, cause they were, I think he was asking if somebody had it so they could like take pictures of it. And I was like, yeah, dude, dude I totally have whatever. it. Yeah. I totally yeah. have it. 
I did not have it. So that's so um, fucking funny. Yeah, but I'm with you, man. Well, I'm glad that the the actual record didn't get damaged in transit, for sure. But yeah, the no. cover sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, other than that, I uh, I did a dive recently through uh, all of Hot Water Music's records. Nice. Because as a completionist, I like like so much of it. And uh, I was texting our friend Tom about it because I, I can't find anything about Forever and Counting to warrant the record being as revered as it is. Mm. I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I texted like multiple people who I knew were Hot Water Music people, and I was like, "What am I missing about this record? That like I like the one before it, I like the ones after it, I like like so much of their output. Yet this one record and like smack dab in the middle of their like." pack of releases right there's like three songs on it that like stand out at all and the rest of the record is legitimately the most forgettable thing ever and it's and this is maybe like my 50th time trying and it's really like, gruff compared to i mean they're a gruff band right but i remember yeah. that one like the guitars are just super fuzzy like, yeah it's just yeah. not as fun and it's not as fun either i just don't get it i don't yeah. get it like i don't i don't like being a hater but like i was like like it's still bothering me this was like last week that like i was like i i dude i, I think i gave it like three listens over the course of a couple of days trying to be like what can i find in this that like will make me think like i need this to be like something i come back to and i don't think i ever will again i think it's done i think i've i've, I've given up on the record i mean i think that's fair like i'm looking back at the I'm curious what some of the answers that people gave you were, because if I look at this, I'm like, yeah, just don't say you lost it in three summers strong are like my songs. But other than that, I'm with you. Like before and after is feel for the hate game and then no division, which I think yeah. is my favorite, honestly. It's um, my favorite too. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's lyrics off fuel for the hate game on the inclination record also killer i had i didn't notice that but now i'm gonna go back and look um i like i like no division and i like the one after it a flight in a crash i think better than i like a flight in a crash too it's fast yeah. it's 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 catchy it's it's yeah. quick it's um energetic and i just think there's just just a low energy fucking effort for this uh this record it doesn't do it for me at all low but energy. also like well i think walter uh is like an uncredited producer on no division though mm. as well i think walter streifels was like at least like helped on it in some way that's if, correct if not outright produced it um so like it makes sense why that one's my favorite dude <laughs> okay listen to hot water music's jason black stated of the recording on the last album which would have been um forever and counting we just yep. didn't know what the hell we were doing so this okay. time around, it was nice. We went to a studio, spent two, two and a half weeks, really recorded an album front to back. The album was produced by Walter Schreifels. The band recorded the album after a hiatus. And Chuck Reagan said, I know we were a hell of a lot more focused going into it. You can tell just by listening. So there okay. you go. All right. Well, then then I don't ever need to go back to Forever and Counting. They even will admit that, the, that that one doesn't doesn't stand up but yeah that's 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 that was my uh my music uh foray the past week was just trying to figure out if forever and counting is worth it and uh i mean because i mean i do i just all i do is listen to podcasts really at work anymore i yeah i don't have it in me to listen to eight hours of music anymore and other than 
you know, doing the Steve Earle stuff, which for this record, I only listened to this on vinyl, which we'll talk about when we find out that you listened to bonus tracks. I didn't know. Existed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, this has been the only record or collection of songs we've listened to that I've found any part of it to be a chore. Everything yeah. else, it's been like truly a labor of love. Like, I'm so excited. And this is the first time it felt like, yeah, I got to do some homework here to make sure I'm not missing anything and I'm giving this its proper due. Um, fun fact, though, about Hot Water Music, too. This is, you're just taking me back, man. In addition to being like one of my favorite live bands of all time, when I first moved to New York, um, I would do shit sometimes like, and before I had hooked up with any other, like, you know, I had friends who are hardcore kids, but before I was playing music with anyone here, I would play like acoustic shit at like open mics and things like that. Just to, just to do, do something. it, you know? Yeah. And I used to do an acoustic cover of our own way um, oh, off of dude. no division. Um, you know, who gives a fuck what anybody says? Yeah. Uh, love that song. Um, one night I did that. And I met a person who came up front when I was playing it, like out of the shadows of people, you know, like at this bar, like not paying any attention to me, nor should they have been, comes up and starts singing with me, like knows all the words. That man was Vinny Panza, who became one of my best friends, who later was the fill-in drummer for Bold, and who is the person who took me to Japan and Southeast Asia for the first time because he convinced Purcell, Tim, all those dudes to like let his straight edge friend come and do merch on this Dude, like bold reunion sick. tour. That's so awesome. Hot Water Music got me, one, it's what in a roundabout way, it, it made me one of my best friends in New York, introduced me to Purcell for the first time um, and got me a free trip to Asia, a place I would have never been otherwise so dude that's fucking incredible that's yeah. awesome so you know hey if you're if you play weird acoustic covers of punk songs like you know go out and do it you never know who you'll meet um yeah fuck yeah so, yeah yeah so sorry i just had to share that because i'm like no that's awesome yeah. dude that's why that's why i wanted to kind of shoot the shit and see where where it goes before we got into this, this right on uh, man this chore of a record that we <laughs> yeah listen to so i mean but as a last thing before we jump in, other than music, are you like watching or reading anything that you'd want to recommend or talk um, about? Me and Ashton just finished uh, The Midnight Club on Netflix. Hmm. Um, it's uh, Mike Flanagan, the guy he did um, The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor and um, Midnight Mass. We're yep. like huge fans of all the stuff that he does. And this new one is like, uh, it's, it's really interesting because it's like, it's for for like 90s kids like us um well 90s kids like me and then i guess you were more of a 90s teen <laughs> um but <laughs> fair but yeah. uh but um it's is cool because it, so the the whole show takes place around these these kids who are terminally ill at this like hospice house mm. and the midnight club is every night at midnight they get together and they tell scary stories and then in each episode, while they're telling the scary story, the kids kind of star in the stories That's along cool. with other people from other uh, from previous kind of shows that Mike Flanagan does. Because he, if anybody's listening to this and is a fan, they are 
well familiar that if he uses an actor he keeps using them through like all of his different projects yeah but um it's very much like are you afraid of the dark vibes got it like it's uh it's really cool and um it's i don't know it like it's just a really fucking like smart emotional show too like me and me and ashton like fucking cried several times watching because it it's just like you know you're just watching kids go like it's just i don't know like watching young characters face death yeah is like a very like i don't know like a hard thing to just like willingly put yourself through so we were like a we did this when we watched the wire too it was like a one episode is all about we can handle and then we gotta watch something to like lighter because it's intense it's fucking yeah. way too much. It's, yeah. way, it's way too many characters, way too many plot lines and storylines to keep up with. That like, and it's all sad. It's all bad. I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah no. Um, but yeah, we Club. just finished that. So I, uh, I highly recommend it for anybody who likes uh, spooky shit. Dude, it's a uh, very good. I am gonna check that out. Rachna, my wife, is not really into spooky shit. No, that's not exactly fair. She would say she's not. Like, so this is something that wouldn't appeal to her, but the show I'm going to recommend that we've been watching is definitely spooky as hell, just in a different way. We watched The Patient on Hulu, um, which uh, stars Steve Carell. Oh, um, fuck. Uh, uh, Tom talked about this on Axe to Grind a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, and I think it, one of the reasons my wife was turned on to it is through some like work colleagues. She's a, psychiatrist you know she's a mental health provider mm -hmm. and without giving too much away like that's the basis of it is somebody is really unwell and decides to get like more you know direct and intensive treatment so Kidna they kidnap a kidnaps their <laughs> their therapist and locks them in their basement so that they can have a session anytime um and it's just really really well done so well done that Rachna, who like, you know, is not like a big TV movie or anything like that. It wasn't until halfway through that she realized like, oh, Steve Carell, that's the same dude that plays like Michael on The Office. Yeah, the and office. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's got range, huh? Yeah, he does. Like that's, so it's, I recommend it. It is similarly like, you know, the episodes are short, thankfully, but like it's, it gets really dark really fast. Um, Damn, I'm gonna I'm yeah, gonna make yeah. a note to 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 get into that because it it's been I, this come up a couple times in uh in conversations with people. I think somebody at work is watching it too. So yeah, they just gonna... put the the final episode up, so like the whole thing is available to watch now. And that yeah, for a while, me and Tom had a little thing where I'd be like, "Have you watched it yet?" I didn't want to like spoil anything, but I wanted somebody to talk to about it. So that's been really good. Um, Dude, and then that that's me so often with things. Yeah. Um, I also just want to shout out. I, I don't want to be a poser because I haven't finished the book yet, but I started um, a book called diary of a misfit, which is a memoir um, that uh, my friend Casey parks, who I went um, to college with wrote, um, Casey is now, um, an education reporter for the Washington post. Um, and it is just so damn good. And I think that's true. Even if 
you don't like me have the pleasure of having known this person because it's basically she is from the deep south as i am um struggled with identity and sexuality before eventually coming out as queer and then it turns out once she has come out to some members of of the family finds out that it's like you know in addition to having family members who are like you know praying for her and freaking out and like all these things um, finds out from her grandmother it's like well you know I had a neighbor growing up um, who was a woman who lived as a man um, you know pretty much her entire life and then that mm -hmm. goes into then this deep dive of you know there have been trans people you know in the community long before anybody around was using that word or knew yeah. like what to you know like how to describe it or how to feel about it and so it's just really well done because it's a combination of like personal story but then her own almost like investigative journalism to try to go to the small yeah. town in Louisiana where she's from and find everything she can about this person who passed you know before but who was like everybody in the town knew that when they were young they identified as a woman and at some point they transitioned to being a man and just nobody ever talked about it you know yeah. um so fascinating stuff diary of a misfit um and so yeah I, like I, I won't pose i haven't finished but i i just started it and i'm really excited to to continue that's awesome i did finish uh of mice and men um nice and uh yeah good book <laughs> like i know i'm i know i'm a uh, hundred years late but uh good yeah. book i uh i uh i enjoyed it um it ended almost exactly as as tragically as i thought it was going to yes hey yeah, man i'm uh yeah <laughs> sometimes the classics are classics for a reason you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I, the fuck thing is i i read of mice and men and then i'm listening to something the other day uh and it gets brought up in like on a podcast i'm listening to and i'm like fuck i wouldn't have got that two weeks ago that's pretty cool that's yeah, pretty it's cool. weird weird like i really can get behind like people who think they're living in a simulation sometimes right because sometimes it really feels like content's just running out for me Dude. like yeah like really the same actors in the last three things i watched really right what are the fucking chances of this shit there are seven billion people on the planet but somehow i'm running into this person like at all you know all those yeah. things yeah um fucking uh scoop scoop McInerney, uh the actor we mm -hmm. me and ashton went through a spree last year where we watched like four things in a row one of them was the newest season of true detective mm -hmm. one of them was argo and then something else we, we we watched like like a couple more things that motherfucker shows up in every single one of these things we watch all these things were made like five six ten years apart right what what no <laughs> like no other obvious connection or anything like, like this that. is yeah. an obscure actor to be showing up in everything we're watching too like we kept That's being like wild. no this guy's not showing up in this again and what is, is happening that's incredible yeah Whoa. fucking yeah very fucking weird shit man oh weird shit um, one last bit of good news. I guess it's good news. I think it's good news before we jump into talking about this record. Um, as of recording time, just got word that fucking Bolsonaro lost in Brazil. Yo, no yeah. shit. Well, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> I mean, I was about to, how many people in the country think he lost? <laughs> I was about to say, like, there's now going to be a tried and true playbook, I'm sure, yeah. to challenge uh -huh. that. Looks okay. like Lula and the Workers' Party 
have prevailed. At least that is what the AP is saying. So uh, who knows? Yeah, dude, he's been he's been setting it up for so long too to oh, deny course. this shit. It's of course. Been, it's really cool. He's also had COVID like forty times, and dude, has, yeah, that know. guy. Like, <laughs> if any, like, uh, God, I can't remember. I, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, talking about um, uh, fucking Jim Caviezel. Mm. and um and how crazy he is and like apparently like while shooting passion of the christ he was struck by lightning whoa and um but like bolsonaro similar thing like when when all of this shit is happening to you like especially for people who are religious wouldn't you think god's telling you something (laughs) like (laughs) i think they think think of no like no better sign than being struck by lightning yeah you should stop whatever you're doing and do something else i you would think but i think it it seems like they're people like incapable of any sort of introspection so instead they're like clearly this is a trial that satan has put in front of me and god is testing me or something gets what stabbed stabbed on the uh, like and then and then gets covered four times and Mm. like just keeps on trucking the same path It's like Jesus fucking Christ, eat shit. Yeah. Well, hopefully he will, but I somehow I doubt this is the last we've heard of this motherfucker. No, Um, not not a chance. Not a chance. Hey man, let's talk about Steve Earle's early tracks. Um, so before we go in, like Tyler, tell me like your relationship to this record or when you first heard these songs uh, or even became aware of, of his existence. I uh I bought Guitar Town on Depop, mm-hmm. and then I looked at what uh, the other person had, what the person I bought it from also had on Depop. They had this record. I found out about this record when I bought <laughs> Guitar Town on Depop after we started this podcast. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, and yeah, I'm I'm so with you for a month. I've known about this record. <laughs> I have, so I'm right there with you, except that I like don't own the record, but you know. Yeah, been an Earl fan for years and had always, I think, assumed that there was early stuff. But as far as I knew, his recorded input that you could get a hold of started with Guitar Town. Um, And that is, although Guitar Town is technically the first, it is it is his first studio album. um, This early tracks record is a compilation of earlier stuff. So there was one EP, I think, called Pink and Black. Yep. And then some other songs that Steve had recorded in the early 80s. Um, most of them, not all, but most of them very much rockabilly tunes. Um, and so, yeah, this this has been around for a long time, but for both Tyler and I, uh, very recent, not only did we become aware of this, but, you know, actually give it a listen. Yeah, I mean, the only song I knew of on this record was the Continental Trailway Blues, which I didn't know about until looking into the songs that he did for Planes, Trains, Automobiles, which at this point, you'll people have heard that episode. So, right. Well, and well, we know that one and we know the devil's right hand because of the we'll, different we'll, version. We'll we'll get there when when we're when we're reading through because I, I want to ride like we'll 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 discuss this together but i want to read you walk through my idiocy 
Okay. Because I didn't change some of the things, the my thoughts of this while I was going through the record. And you can actually find out how stupid I am while you're while we're talking about this. Well, I find that hard to believe, but I will go on this journey with you. So the first track is called Nothing But You. Tyler, what do you think about this song then? I uh so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ride right through this. Such a different vibe. Can definitely hear the rockabilly roots, but catchy enough. That's literally all I got for that one. Yep, yep. I said, this could be a different song with the same chord progression and still be good. Like if he just did this like with an acoustic guitar and sang it, I think this could be like a, a good ass country song, um, but it's all juiced up. Like I'm supposed to be thinking about a pompadour and a hot rod. Um, yeah. So I don't love it, but it's fine. Yeah. Right? Serviceable. That yeah. was my thoughts of it. Literally, like, that's it. That's all I got for that one. Yep. I'm with you. So If You Need a Fool, I think is a better song, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels to me like if Steve sang this more like, I don't want to, you know, in his normal voice um that this could fit in with some of his later work because a song like think it over on guitar town is very much in this kind of rockabilly-ish spirit but this feels like that song except he's kind of doing an elvis impression um on the lyrics so i like the song but again i think it's the the way it's kind of like dressed up in some of the like rockabilly cliches that bothers me a little bit yeah so very much similar feelings I have to you on this one. Um, I did get an addendum on this one because peeling back the curtain, we uh, we had a little bit of a break between recording this episode and recording our last episode because of some some health turmoil that you had in your in your household. Just but, a little bit. Uh, but it, I I was able to get an addendum on this one and figure something out. But I'll we'll go through my fucking my thought process. I wrote can kind of hear his voice come into what it turns into a little bit in this song. Mm-hmm. I think you can kind of hear where he does is doing this Elvis impression on this record. In this song, you do hear like a little bit of the authentic Steve voice. Mm-hmm. And then I said, this song reminds me of a Steve song I can't put my finger on. And then a week and a half later, I revisited that sentence and said, it's poor boy. That's the song. Mm-hmm. There's a line that brings that song up in my mind. It's when we get to that record and uh, I think it's uh, I, f- um, I feel all right. Yeah. I, I want to revisit the if you need if you need a fool when we listen to that record and OK and, and actually talk about where I think he borrows a melody from that. Oh, interesting. Like 15 years later. <laughs> That's amazing. I, yeah. I, I definitely I think he dips into this song for a little bit of a melody that he uses in uh, in Poor Boy. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got for that one. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Oh, I I just made a note for when we get to I Feel All Right to to come back to that because that's so cool. And I mean, one, so cool that you heard that, Tyler. Um, And two, I'm just thinking, wow, with a like catalog of songs as large as steve's right and that's even just the stuff that has been formally released god mm-hmm. there's got to be hundreds of demos all kinds yep. of other stuff that never really saw the light of day um 
I wonder, it just makes me genuinely curious if he was like, I'm going to use that riff again, or if he like legit doesn't remember, you know, because I could, I could see either one being entirely plausible. I've reused lyrics on accident before. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Or I've like, I've written a riff and been like, dude, that's sick. And then it's taken me like a month (laughs) to realize like, oh, that it's sick because it's from a terror song from 2002. (laughs) Right. Like, and I, I was yeah. not intentionally ripping it off, but it's like that deeply buried in your subconscious. Yep. Right. So it's just part of you. It's right. Part of your DNA. Right. right. Right on, man. So, okay. The next song is Continental Trailways Blues, which, like we said, this is one of the few that we had some familiarity with because of its use in uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. This is my favorite song on the record. Me too. Really? Okay. I had yeah. another guess. I had another guess if this wasn't it. And I'll I'll tell you which one I thought was may, maybe had a chance of being your favorite, but huh. yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we're with we're on board cuz this is just a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> like in addition to, you know, obviously there there's a little bit of familiarity. I love the melody and just it's a it's a classic Steve hopeless break your heart story this yep. dude, this dude rides all the way to houston uses his last dime to call this woman that he's been riding on this miserable bus across country to get to she's got a new man by the time he yep. gets there um and he's he's stuck in houston all alone right yeah i and i uh the one one of the things i i wrote about this one is that it's like you can tell it's not as uniquely steve as the song's that are on guitar town are mm-hmm. but it's just a good country song it's a good country song i agree yeah and that's 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 all i got for Connell trailway blues except for like if if there's one song to listen to on this record it's it's this one it's this one and if i'm so tyler correct me if i'm wrong then would this be the only place that one could like physically get this song was it is it on any other steve uh, releases it's on some of the compilations but got speaking it. of I did buy a 45 recently that is six days on the road on one side. And the other side is uh, a week of living dangerously just because I wanted to have six days on the road on vinyl. Mm -hmm. So I bought a, like a dollar 50, 45 off Depop the other day. That's awesome. um, In a, in a Bruce Springsteen record. (laughs) Isn't Depop amazing though? No, not, Oh, Oh, uh, Discogs. 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 Discogs, Dude. Yeah. It's just, it's killing my bank account, but I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> but hey, the power then, because I mean, think about before that, how much it would just, you'd have to be digging every crate that you found yeah. and then like a stroke of and luck. Searching to find eBay it. or doing right. all kinds of bullshit like that. And just right. no, no fucking thanks. It's, it's, it's been a blessing, but also a curse. Well, but I'm, I'm not going to take my money with me when I die. So what, what? That's true. I may as well um, leave my friends a lot of shit to divide up. I know to be like, who wants this? Um, <laughs> Yeah, they they won't understand how much of a prized possession this dollar fifty forty five was. Um, <laughs> but they'll you know they'll and then they'll hear this episode of the podcast years later when they just wanted to hear your voice and be like, "What the fuck did I do with that? I need that. I know I got that right." <laughs> um, right on, man. So the next song is "Open Up Your Door." Here's what I wrote: another competent rockabilly song. I wouldn't be mad at this if I heard it playing out somewhere. But I also don't want to put it on at home and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so just just to be clear, we we talk about this on the Copperhead Road episode. We talk about 
the devil's right hand and how that is a version that someone else arranged that he covered their version of it. And he, we talked about how there's an original version of this song that Steve wrote that was on a rockabilly record. Mm-hmm. Now coming, getting, getting to baseline reality on that. I wrote guitar is pretty catchy on this song. This is the point where I read ahead to realize that this is that rockabilly record with the <laughs> devil's right hand on it. LOL. But this song is, again, fine. But I did realize when reading that, oh, wow, this is rockabilly as fuck. Yep. So this is when I realized I'm listening to a rockabilly record. That's it so funny. To go, I think this might be the rockabilly record. This is indeed <laughs> the rockabilly record. I'm such a fucking idiot. Dude, dude, it's amazing. It's because it's called early tracks instead of like fucking hot rods and hair gel or some shit like that. Yeah, straight the fuck up, dude. Dude. Hey, oh, man. But yeah, yeah, that's 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 me. We there both got yo. Why should I tell I, I'm gonna tell on myself on the podcast? People that are close to me know the story. I fucking hate Rockabilly, you know what I'm saying? I love it's a it's a testament to how much I love Steve. That yeah, I find these songs this. fine. Yeah. But I'm realizing my hatred of Rockabilly actually has very little to do with the music at all. Because if you think about it too, like I like I like Chris Isaac, you know, um, a lot of his mm-hmm. stuff is kind of in that vein. But I think it's more two things. And I think it comes from being from Memphis and then moving to the Northeast. The first time Half Acre Gun Room played in New York there were definitely people in the crowd that were like bummed out that we like, you know, didn't have fucking, you know, cherries tattooed on our neck or whatever. And, and weren't playing a stand up bass. Cause I think they saw there's a band from Memphis coming and that's what they yeah. expected. And then early on in my time in New York, I dated this rockabilly girl. Um, it was very brief, very brief. Um, but she was, it was cool because she had a car, which at that time was like a novelty for me. And we were riding along in her car one time and I had put something on. I don't remember what it was. I think it was, she didn't like hardcore, but I, I feel like it was, you know, it was probably like the Dillinger four or something like that. We mm-hmm. listened to, right. And she was like, ah, oh, this sucks. Turn it off. And just in oh, a moment, you. I was just like in a moment of frustration, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. It's not about fucking fixing up your hot rod and going on a midnight ride. And she kicked me out of the car. She like pulled over and Fuck like yeah, she kicked did. me out. And I was like, dude, I've never felt more straight edge in my life than at that, that moment. Awesome. I was like, That's yeah, fantastic. She, she actually did me a huge favor then. Um, and, you know, in New York, it's not such a dramatic thing because it was only like a four block walk to the subway. So all she really did was cost me two dollars and twenty-five cents. Um, it's not like I couldn't get home from where she let me out. Um, fucking rockabilly, man! That's just That's so. so that awesome. is so funny that though that from these first two, but it, doesn't it just feel like sometimes? I mean, I'm sure there are some real rockheads and recording people who would, you know, tell us otherwise. But I'm like, I think you take what would otherwise be a pretty standard country or rock song you just turn the reverb up to fucking 10 on everything. Yeah. Like the, the vocals, you got to sound like you're at the bottom of a well um, slap back guitar on everything, which again, it's a sound that I don't mind. I actually think it can be really cool, but like 
it is just one of the most cliched like template forms of music and i'm saying that as a hardcore kid like, yeah no rockabilly has a template that's just inherently pretty boring to me no um, i i agree i mean and i and i see this as as a person who doesn't mind some elvis too oh of course yeah like i really i really like like some elvis songs and uh but yeah no it's it's never done it for me like the the i i don't I, I don't think I can even like recognize rockabilly sound as much as I recognize rockabilly look. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's my giveaway. Yeah. Right, is that like, because I'm, I'm a musical idiot, like I, uh, like it's, if it isn't clear for me, I'm getting almost halfway <laughs> through this record before I realized <laughs> listening to rockabilly record. Um, I think it also might have been like a stages of grief sort of thing. Like I was in that denial. Like That's so funny. Early on. Like I was in the bargaining phase. And I had to just say, right. By, by song four, I was fully into acceptance. Dude. I mean, you know, it's just a few different turns in the universe. And instead of you and me talking about Steve Earle right now, he's out fucking, you know, a washed up act out on tour with, the stray cats and tiger army i don't know like yeah, he'd, he'd probably be dead honestly oh yeah i mean my knowing God. him if, if he had fallen into that crowd i feel like he'd just be dead a rockabilly band fucked us over one time too what, what am i trying i see all this stuff it's clearly got very little to do with the music half the gunman played <laughs> rochester one night and somebody like i can't even remember but it was like one of the more popular rockabilly bands at this time in like the early 2000s and not that we were expecting our show to be big but you know there were like six people there it was like an exceptionally bad night and mm -hmm. somebody was like well you know so-and-so is down the street and i was like oh the reverend horton heat that's who it was um okay the reverend horton heat was down the street and so any you know country rock inclined weirdo in upstate new york that night was um at the reverend horton heat show and not um not being miserable with me um who was you know an idiot 18 year old from the south who was completely underdressed to be up there and had just you know had just brought like a hoodie because i had no idea what i was in for um so yeah my my it says a lot about how good steve is that i actually think these songs are fine like they don't they don't make me want to throw my you know turntable out the window um i'm just like yeah the scratching noise is coming back again it just started I don't... all right so the next track is breakdown lane tyler what do you got on this one what do you think about it i don't like it man really okay this is the only one that i thought might have contended for your favorite song really yeah. yeah because i actually i i wrote actually like this song a lot mm. rip, rip rip and little riff that was that was what i had to say about it rip it's, and little a, riff. I, it's fair it's got a rip and riff there was something that annoyed me about the lyrics i think mm -hmm. and then also fun fact if you um are looking for this on youtube before you find the actual steve version at least in my search results, you find a British dude playing a cover of this on a guitar made out of a Chevy hubcap. Um, <laughs> That's rockabilly as fuck. Yeah, I know. So 
if that tells you anything about like kind of who's really into this <laughs> song. Yeah. Um, the, the, this this might be one of the three or four songs I like on this record. Okay, I hear that. Honestly, I think I'm honestly. I think like, it's four. I think it's number four, but it's, yeah. it's it's it made the list. Okay, there's another one coming that I think is. There's actually two more coming that I like better than this one. Um, yes, there's two more coming that I I actually no there might be three more this might be number five this is okay. actually never mind this is the bottom of the ones i like no you're just like you know what i actually <laughs> fucking love this record stop hating this is my favorite yo no yeah. i just think half of it's fine that, that's and that's the thing like that's just how good steve is man to like yeah i just think half of it's fine and yeah. one song is good yeah i'm with you on that so i mean <laughs> where does where does squeeze me in the next track fit in on that for you it's rockabilly that's all i got it's a, i was this <laughs> is a rock that, that is that is i wrote that verbatim it is an incredibly unremarkable song it would be <laughs> like it would be hard to write another song that was this like you know because it's not memorable because it's like poorly done right mm -hmm. but but a competently played written you know executed song that is this much like yep I'm sure by now someone could create an AI that could just crank this shit out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. You know, like, God bless him, man. Like, he's a songwriter. I hope I, I find myself with stuff like this being like, I hope you didn't spend too much time on this, Steve. Um, <laughs> True. You know, because I mean, at this stage, too, and hey, he had to pay the bills, man. You know what I mean? I'm not so I'm not mad at it. But yeah, it's it's a rockabilly song. You nailed it's it. It's a rockabilly song. Well, Let's talk about Annie is Tonight the Night. I like this one. I, I, I wrote some serious sass in this track. Oh, there's some sass in this song. I really like the chorus. Um, and I think I mentioned Chris Isaac before. Mm -hmm. um, I, this one has a Chris Isaac vibe to it that I really like. Um, you know, which again, it's like there might be somebody listening who's like, this motherfucker just went on a 10 minute rant about how much he hates rockabilly. And then he's like, Chris Isaac's good. And I'm like, Chris <laughs> Isaac's literally up there in like a sequin suit with a pompadour playing like an archtop guitar. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a hypocrite. I know. Um, but anyway, I thought, I thought this song was pretty good, you know, for yeah, what it I is. Said, I, I, I said it's, it's, uh, there's definitely parts where Steve's voice comes out in this, in that yes. song. Yes. And uh but it is crazy how different his voice is on these songs. It is so crazy. Both it's just like Yeah, yeah, it's the I mean, I was I was calling it an Elvis impression earlier. That's not really what it is, right? But like mm -hmm. that's kind of the the stereotype of like, okay, yeah. I'm, I want you to think picture me in front of one of those, you know, like 50s style like chrome microphone kind yep. of things. You know what I mean? Um and yeah, there's just a lot of like bad tourist bars in Memphis where everything is kind of set up to be like this because that's what people want to hear, you know what I mean, who are coming to, to see Graceland and stuff like that. Um, I'm interested to talk to you about My Baby Worships Me because... I've got, I've got, I've got a, a feeling on this song. Okay, so tell me about it. I, uh, I wrote, oh, hell yeah, this song's a little ripper. <laughs> It is a ripper. I agree. And you know, one of the other things that I noticed here, um, and this is not just about the song itself, this is one of the few songs from this era that made it into Steve's later set lists. Oh, really? So on 
if you listen to on the deluxe version of Copperhead Road, they uh-huh. added a B-side um, or, you know, like an extra disc that is a like live in Raleigh 1987 yeah. set. And they do this song on there. Oh, and then there's cool. another live set that I found on YouTube, I think from 88. Again, these are not official. Well, that the one from Raleigh was, but another mm-hmm. thing that's just, it's just a, a high quality bootleg that somebody has. But in 88 too, at that point, post Copperhead Road, he was playing all the big hits. You can tell it was a big crowd just from the sound yeah. of them or whatever. And he, they did my baby worships me in that set too. So yeah, it, it makes sense. It's a ripper and it fit in with Steve's later stuff in a way that a lot of the other more rockabilly things wouldn't. Yeah. I wrote, uh, the chorus has some real attitude. And, um, the thing I wrote about this, I said, also, this song sounds like it was written for a fictional musician that possibly would have played a gig with the Wonders and exposed one of them to girls and drinking. Dude, that is <laughs> hilarious and spot on. That was that was That's my so addendum good. to like originally. I think I just had like, oh hell yeah, this song's a little rip. Or of course, has some real attitude. And then like a week later, I was listening to this while I was cooking breakfast, and I was like, oh my god, I'm just like imagining like him backstage like him coming off stage and like grabbing steve zahn and like corrupting him yeah You're like <laughs> i'll tell you about rock and roll son oh my god that's so good oh yeah i mean speaking i mean hey rock and roll scumbags jerry lee lewis died this week too so there's a no shit i don't know, think i even noticed that i mean who who even knew yeah. he was still alive um yeah Made it to 87. He was a real bastard. I read an article about that. That's, <laughs> that's the, 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 the bastards always live the longest, man. That's true. That's true. Um, I'll be dead any day now. <laughs> uh, who's going to play you in the biopic? God damn it. I don't know. All right. Somebody's next... been hitting the face a lot. <laughs> <laughs> next recording, we've got to answer that question. Um, <laughs> mine's clearly Matt Pinfield. If, uh, if he's still around um what do you think about cadillac man this this is one of the ones i kind of like it's a good song right yeah well i i i wrote reading the song title before the music kicked in i couldn't believe this song was this slow yeah because you think i mean cadillac just goes like car song in your mind yeah and you think it's going to be a like rocking car song yeah i think yeah. it's gonna be like a mid-tempo at at, at you know at, at at slowest and this is a kind of a, a cruising little little smooth slow song yeah yeah I, I think that's there's just something too about once you get to this part I mean I think we've both like kind of like narrated it the same way there's some good stuff in the opening tracks here that I think of which Continental Trailways Blues is probably the highlight and then yep. post Annie is Tonight the Night um you know, these last ones, and then we'll get into track 10 in just a second, like all, they just change it up a little bit, right? And I think part of that is too, I guess, maybe you know this, I'm making an assumption that I don't know it's true. Those rockabilly songs earlier that all felt kind of the same were on that EP. Oh, you might be right. Because I think Yeah, there's no indication on this. Of of like what was what? Yeah. Because I wonder what it would take to track down a copy of that or, or even how many were released of the, mm-hmm. the Pink and Black EP. But I, I get the sense that the straight up rockabilly stuff was all on that yeah, and that some of these other right. songs 
were uh, slid were, in there. Were were yeah, just other things that were one-offs that Steve had put in there that were more likely to be, you know, hell demos for Guitar Town or something like that, right? Yeah, I was definitely like with Cadillac. I was happy that the 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 pace change. Yes, I uh, agree. Like that that tempo change, I think, that really made the song stand out and and really will be what uh what um what kind of sets it apart oh my god I, I forgot about this part of what i wrote i said i will say the song before this he says his girl worships him so much she'll pay his car note then in this song he talks about his cadillac stealing girls what a piece of shit like Dude. slick back hair sloppy snakes sloppy snakes <laughs> lives for new which, year's eve which is gonna be my halloween costume tomorrow oh hell yeah i bought pomade today so i can slick my hair back and when anybody at work asks me what i am i'm gonna say I'm a piece of shit. shit. And then on November 1st, you can say, used to be a piece of shit. Used to be a piece of shit, yeah. People can change. Uh, I got a good buddy um, who sent me a picture. He went as a TC Tuggers. Just wearing the, just glued a bottle cap to his t shirt, like pull it into the Fantastic. They're not a joke. They're not a joke. Um, (laughs) Dude, that's awesome. They can't, hey, just remember, they can't stop you from ordering a steak and a glass of water. No. Track 10 is a version of one of my favorite Steve songs, which is The Devil's Right Hand. And yeah, we've mentioned this before. Um, I much prefer the arrangement that made it to Copperhead Road. But tell tell me, one, your your reaction, and two, Tyler, I know you've explained it before, but a little bit of the the background of of this song and kind of the evolutions it went through. I wrote, wow, I actually think this is the worst version of this song it kind of freaking sucks yeah right isn't that wild too that in another context it's actually an excellent a truly excellent song yeah i I just wrote it's low energy like and like i said seems so low energy fucking whoa i said this version is down with the whalen version i also didn't care for yeah do you think dude was finally like steve what if you just played it faster man like I mean that's a big part of it, right? Yeah. Like I this... don't know, dude. I I I will never, I will never listen to this record again. Yeah. In its entirety. There's no need to. In its entirety, I will never listen to this record again. If I ever listen to it, I absolutely will drop the needle, no care at all on if you need a fool, not caring if I fuck up that part of the record. Yeah. Just to listen to Continental Trailway Blues and Breakdown Lane. Yeah. And then I'll drop the needle on squeeze me in <laughs> listen to annie's tonight the night through cadillac and then i will stop the record and there then stop and never, it yep because that will be hear how the... i listen to this record ever again totally. i will absolutely ruin several songs on it by dropping the needle in the middle of them well i'm right there with you even though i don't have any literal needle to drop so we hinted at this earlier so that ends this ver this low energy version of the devil's right hand which was perfected on Copperhead Road, thankfully, a few years later, yes. um, ends the the actual LP, or at least the the, the first version of it, right? Um, yep. Because I am a poser and don't own this record, I was just piecing it together online from the Wikipedia page, which I think Tyler and I figured out there was a... I a, had no idea about yeah, <laughs> A CD version later that had a few additional tracks. So... Um, yeah, kudos to me for punishing myself with about 10 extra minutes of just 
real not good stuff. Extra um, credit's never worth it. It's never worth it. Um, <laughs> just do it right, you know, the first time. So let me, I will do this quickly though, because for the sake of, of being a com- completist podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I want us to talk about it. So track 11 on this CD version is What Will You Do About Me? Which is a song written by a man named Dennis Lind, who is famous because he wrote Hunka Hunka Burning Love for Elvis Presley. Um, this is, I think, the worst recorded material involving Steve Earle that I think I've ever heard. What'll you do about me? It's unbelievably bad. Um, <laughs> I, it's just none of it fits. Steve's voice doesn't fit with it. What they did with the, you know, there's a super 80s guitar and drum sound. And I'm usually really into that. I love chorus. I love synth. Um, but I think if this song had any hope of being decent, it would be like an acoustic song. Um, it's The arrangement is just terrible and it's not a very good song. So if only for that, look up what will you do about me. These aren't on streaming. Um, you got to like find <laughs> it on YouTube that, that some you know, enterprising person uploaded it. Um, but that's that one. The next two songs are interesting because Steve wrote them both. And I don't know if he originally intended them to be for other artists, but they were popularized by other artists. There's a song called Cry Myself to Sleep, which was recorded by the Judds later. Um, I don't particularly care for either version. I think it's, they're not rockabilly. It's a country song. Um, but I think it, it doesn't quite feel like Steve. Um, and then the Judds, you know, made it like kind of extra sappy when they recorded it. The next one, though, is called A Little Bit in Love. And I think it's really good. Um, so, you know, I take back what I said about it being pure punishment because this is a good song, in my opinion. Patty Loveless recorded A Little Bit in Love in 1988, and it became a big hit. Number two on the country charts. So this was, um, you know, one of those songs. Again, I don't know if Steve wrote it for Patty originally, but. As I was mentioning to Tyler earlier, um, I love the song, but I think Patty's version is better, um, which kind of makes me think maybe Steve never really intended for this to be like a song that he would record and release. And instead, it was a song he wrote for someone else to record. And then the last track is called The Crush. Um, John Hyatt wrote this song. I could not find Steve's version of this song anywhere um, online. Uh, but I did hear this, the version that John Hyatt himself recorded, and it is awful. So um, <laughs> I can't even speak to what Steve did or did not do on this song because I didn't hear it. So technically, I guess I only heard 13 Steve songs here. But yeah, if you want to hear what, in my opinion, is perhaps the worst thing that Steve Earle ever recorded. He didn't write it, but recorded it. What will you do about me? And then if you want to hear a, a, a good Steve song um, that that you know, kind of became a, a, a hit, at least for a point in time with Patty Loveless, listen to a little bit in love because I enjoyed that one. I um, plan on at least checking that one out. That's, yeah. that's the one I just, I just went through and saved it. Yeah. I'd recommend both versions. It's, it's interesting to hear Steve do it and Patty Loveless do it. Um, Tyler, I had a lot of fun doing this one, but also I'm so glad we're done with it. Dude, me fucking too, because I am so excited to talk about The Hard Way. Oh, I did forget yes. earlier when we were talking about stuff we watched. Uh, we we went to the movies last night with, um, so I can't remember if I talked about this at all, but when I was um, when I was in Canada, I found out that my, because my department at work is just me and one other guy. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Canada, I found out he put in his two weeks. Right. And 
and his two weeks ended while I was on that two week uh, tour with constraints. So yeah. they went like a whole week without anybody in my department who knew anything of what they were doing. And when mm-hmm. I came back, I came back to a, uh, I don't know, like a FEMA disaster. <sighs> at, uh, like I legitimately joke about that all the time that like, um, like our store qualifies for FEMA relief. Wow. because it's a natural disaster there like I've, i'm always curious like when when are they going to show up like i know it's going to be late i know it's going to be late and i know we'll have already we'll have already solved a lot of our problems but fema is going to show up one day to help me at work um but uh we went to the movies last night with my old uh my old partner at work and um we saw amsterdam the new uh david o russell movie yeah um which when i was talking to one of my buddies at work today apparently it's getting like kind of it's it's being called a flop hmm. it's the best movie i've seen this year no shit i i like i don't like like fucking spoilers um fucking um margot robbie's fantastic in it david washington's fantastic in it christian bale's fantastic in it michael shannon mike myers chris rock everybody's great in it de niro's great in it they buried this in the fucking previews it's about the business plot, mm. which was the J.P. Morgan, Henry Ford, um, I think Carnegie might might have been involved. But when they tried to convince Smedley Butler to lead a fascist takeover of the right. American government yes. to, to coup FDR, but Smedley Butler just kind of led them on and just kind of collected on them and then mm-hmm. eventually like tried to expose them. But because... Uh, uh, Hearst, William Randolph Hearst was involved in it. The papers just smeared Smedley Butler and right. made him look like he was crazy because we live in hell or we lived in hell and we still do. <laughs> right. Um, but it is legitimately one of the smartest movies I've seen in a really long time. And I can't believe I mean, they change all the names mm. is the thing. They, they don't like they don't in- introduce some of these villains as J.P. Morgan. And, right. and even they uh, they joke about how their their autom- their automotive magnate can't make the couldn't make it today because he's mm. setting up some operations overseas somewhere um, <laughs> oh, of course <laughs> with, but, the, uh, with the new chancellor but, uh, of germany i'm sure ex- that's yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah rami malik's in it uh mm. too and um so is uh that anya taylor joy girl the girl from queen's gambit yeah um, yeah or whatever dude it is so fucking good i highly recommend it if you if anybody listening to this is a fan of uh radical u.s history um watch it it is it is really well done um you can tell everybody who was in it just had fun making this movie about yeah. this fucking awful situation that happened and then all those a lot of those guys turned right around and tried to you know prop Lindbergh up as the mm. the next uh as you know just well we can't convince the 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 military hero to do it so we'll we'll go with the next best guy the guy who flew across the the Atlantic a bunch and uh and and he's a real and he's a dedicated fascist so we'll right. just run this guy but um but yeah no this. dude I like I've been thinking about it all day just like how I can't believe because there's a really sweet story too about like friendship and and like you know what's important in in the world and how important love is but then at the same time like against this backdrop of like a incredibly sinister thing that happened in this country which is yeah. uh, ed begley jr's in it too he's oh, no. he's he's only in like one scene but he's 
fantastic. That's a killer cast and a killer story. Like I gotta it's see an it. amazing cast, dude. It's so good. No, it's so good. It's so it's so pretty. It's like just it's it's a beautiful fucking movie. Margot Robbie's amazing in it, dude. Like it, like there's so much heart in the movie. I uh, I I couldn't I can't I can't I can't have enough nice things to say about it. And it's apparently doing so badly that wow. it's already getting pulled out of a lot of theaters. But I mean, it's oh. I think it's just where's who's the audience for this yeah i mean that's i think about stuff like that in the mainstream sometimes i'm like well if 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 i'm the audience for it no wonder it's doing poorly yes um, like a mainstream stage right but yeah. dude that's all the i was vaguely aware of that movie but nothing about it and now yeah I'm definitely i had no idea it. legit like 45 minutes in um they're uh they're introducing because they changed all the names so like right uh De Niro playing uh, the Smedley Butler characters uh, playing some character Delbeck or something. Mm -hmm. And they start talking about him being like this war hero. And then they say something about the bonus army. And mm -hmm. I'm like, and I just like grabbed the seat and I was like, no shit. They're doing the fucking business. But I looked at Ashton and I was like, I was like, this happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this, this fucking happened. Like, like what? And then like, I was just, I was so taken aback and yeah. I just, uh, it made me it made me like start looking up like I want to I want to buy a book about it to to like really read into it because I've just yeah. more or less I didn't know about it until like a year and a half ago I listened to a podcast about it right on. Um, but uh, which I mean just goes to show like what I don't learn I don't I don't learn about Tulsa until my late 20s I don't learn about fucking you know this until my early 30s like fuck right. off man dude we just yeah. this country just fails you man it fails you and there are forces <laughs> actively trying to make that even worse than it already is yep. right like mm -hmm. as as, as mm -hmm. you know when you look at school boards and, and state legislatures across the country trying to ban books or prevent schools from teaching anything meaningful about race or you know in the history of this country i'm like we are already leaving so many things out and doing such a piss poor yep. job and they they want to take away even that I just love that. I love that where that the, the liberals are indoctrinating the kids into being trans and into being gay and into like and with CRT and stuff. And it's like, no, you're literally indoctrinating kids into capitalism and into yeah. like being just like worked into the fucking grave. Like yeah. that is the real indoctrination is just preparing you for the eight hour work day that you're right. going to have to work until you die. And that's they don't. But it's that's such, not indoctrination. That's, such that's a, a, the American dream. That's right. It's such effective indoctrination that they don't even recognize that that's what it is. Um, awesome. Yeah. Oh, but dude, thanks for the movie recommendation. Amsterdam. Dude, it's so good. I, right. can't, I can't can't say enough nice things about dude, it. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to check it out. And honestly, probably once I can stream it because um, I don't get out much with the little one. Yo, but, and that's fine. Me, me well, and my co-worker mark we're talking about how it's insane that the reason they gate the way they gauge how well a movie's doing is how much money it makes yeah. and he was like and it's amazing they're gauging how well a movie that is a critical of capitalism is doing when it's not making money dude spot fucking on yeah. holy shit yeah that is not the measure of success at all no. um well, right on man so see amsterdam if you are obsessive about steve earl in the way that we are listen to the early tracks if not i think we've recommended the parts that are worth checking out yes um, absolutely 
And I'm stoked for us to continue this journey, man, because the hard way is a hard way that both of us have a lot to say about. You, uh, you did do your top five, bottom three, right? No, I didn't do it. You haven't done it yet? I haven't done it yet. Okay. When we, when we, for the hard way, get your top five, bottom three done, because I want to discuss which, which records we may have already talked about. Okay. That are in top five or bottom three. Got it. And if the hard way may be in our top five, bottom three, which it may be. Okay. No, I will. You got my word by the time we record, which will be very soon. um, I'll have done my top five, bottom three. Right on, man. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace. Thank you, guys.